Hi, this is Yvonne Brown, and this is a JADcast, produced by JAD Communications International, the organization that helps women to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their highest potential at www.jadcommunications.com. Welcome. Our guest today is Dr. Lois Frankel, the author of Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. I met Dr. Frankel when she was in Chicago speaking at an event, a breakfast event, where 700 women showed up. And frankly, the first time I heard the title of the book, I it was a little off-putting, and I wondered, what? why would you name it that? Why, why don't nice girls get the corner office? But I can tell you, listeners, that this is the right title for the book. Welcome, Lois. Thank you, Yvonne. I'm delighted to be with you. Why did you call it Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office? Well, actually, I have to be honest with you. My working title for the book was Quit Being a Girl because I felt as if that really explained what I was trying to say is that, you know, a lot of times we act like girls, not like women. And if you act like a girl, you're not going to achieve your adult goals. Well, when Warner Books got hold of it, they decided a better title would be Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And I was concerned for the same reason that you said when you first saw the title. I didn't want people to think I was saying you can't be nice and achieve your goals because you've read the book and you know I'm not saying that at all. Not I at believe all. you have to be nice. Yeah. Um, but when you put that together, nice girl, that's like what we're taught in childhood, to be a nice girl, yes, right? Absolutely. And in childhood, you know, nice girls... They smile, they're not supposed to get angry, they're not supposed to be too loud, they're not just supposed to be too competitive. So really, that's the message we're trying to get across, that you can't be that nice little girl you were taught to be in childhood and expect to achieve your adult goals. Absolutely. I completely agree, and that came across during your uh, talk. So what I did was, I picked four of the mistakes, and uh, we'll talk about those four mistakes. The, f the, the first mistake I selected for us to talk about is mistake number nine, which is avoiding office politics, because women seem to think that's a bad thing, and, and as we, you and I both know, it's a good thing. So, so why, what would you say to that mistake? Well, I think women see office politics, or they think office politics, is something subversive. I think they think it's kind of dirty and slimy and a little smarmy. And so we really think, that's not something I want to be involved in. But what we have to understand is what guys understand, that politics is just the business of relationships. I mean, that's, you know, when you think about what happens on Capitol Hill or in your local politics, um, politics is the business of relationships. And that if you're not in there identifying the relationships you need to be successful, providing people in that network with things they need and asking them for things that you need, you're not going to get ahead. If you avoid office politics, you are really missing out on an opportunity to help grow your career. And actually, I think that uh, it speaks directly to uh, one of my favorite uh, 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 items from The Seven Habits, Stephen Covey, yeah. where he says, you know, uh, make uh, investments in the emotional bank account. 
Yes, because, yes, yes. And, and then you've made some deposits and you can take some back out, which is what you mentioned in your coaching tip when you go, remember, the quid pro quo of politics is something in exchange for something. But you can't get something in exchange for something. If you haven't made a deposit, you haven't built a relationship, you haven't helped this person out, and so then it's, it's not really politics. Exactly. Now, my experience is that women actually have a little bit of the opposite uh, problem, that they actually do help each other out and they help you know, men out. You know, women are in the business of being helpful. And they collect those chips. They collect, you know, they put money into their account all the time. They're not willing to cash it in, though. You know, they're not willing to say, you know what, I did this guy five favors last year, and what I need from him is this, and I think I'll go ask. That's cashing in a chip. And women are hesitant to cash in a chip because they don't want to make it seem as if, well, I only did that for you because you were going to do something for me. That's how the world works. There's a quid pro quo or something in exchange for something else in every relationship. Thank you. Thank you. How about mistake number 35, which is limiting your possibilities? I'm working on something right now. The reason why this particular one jumped out at me is because one of the women that I talked to said she's a chief financial officer, and she had never considered being a chief financial officer. But she said she was at a networking event, and every man she talked to assumed that she was a CFO. And she goes, you know, I'd never seen myself in that role. And when mm -hmm. she went for it, she got it. Yeah, well, we and she's a good example, you know, because I had lunch yesterday actually with somebody else, another CFO, who said she, she, she. I said, how'd you get the job? She said, well, I kind of lucked into it. The CFO left. They made me acting CFO, and after a year, they couldn't find anybody, so they gave me the job. I said, did you ask for the job? She said, no. You know, I figured if I did a good job, they'd give it to me. <laughs> well. You know, there's that an example of, li <laughs> right? You know, limiting possibilities. You know, obviously they did see, think she was CEO, CFO material, so why didn't you ask for it? Well, that's part of what happens with women is that we limit our possibilities either by not asking for things we want, things we deserve, things we've earned, or we listen to old messages about how much or how little we can really accomplish. I know when I started my business 20 years ago, I've been in business now for 20 years, um, I left a great job, I was earning a lot of money, and uh, it was a terrific job with a good company, and everyone around me said, what are you doing? You got this great job. I said, yeah, but I have a vision for what I want to do. Well, basically, everybody in my network said, oh, we think this is pretty risky, as opposed to saying, go for it. How can we help you? That's another way that we limit our own possibilities by listening to those kinds of people. So, so true. And it's, 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 only your, you can uh, limit the possibilities, actually, because often people already see it in you. You just don't y see it in yourself. That's a, a, yeah. a, another thing that women do. How about mistake number five, which, which dovetails very nicely onto our last uh, mistake, which is uh, mistake number 45 is failing to define your brand. Yes. Um, what women need to understand, and I think guys get this a little bit more, is that we are a brand in the workplace. That brand is called you. And like any brand, you have to define it, you have to hone it, 
You have to market it. You have to do some research on it. I mean, that's what 360-degree feedback is all about, is seeing yourself as others see you or seeing your brand as others see you and finding out how you can better meet the needs of your constituents. Well, you know, again, women have this mistaken notion that if I just go to work and I work really hard and I keep my nose clean and I make everybody happy, I'm going to be successful. And that's not true because then you're not working on your brand. You're just going, you know, it's a little bit like going to work and, you know, doing the same thing every day and doing it well and doing it better. Well, that's not who gets ahead. The people who get ahead who are always taking a look at their brand and making sure it meets the needs of their constituents and changing it as necessary. I had a friend who said to me the other day, she said, I've never met anybody who's reinvented herself as many times as you have. Well, when you have your own business, you understand you're the brand. You know, I understand. I am my brand. Dr. Lois Frankel is a brand. But so is everyone in the workplace. And that's why you've really got to pay attention to it. Well, I'm going to draw your attention to one of the things that was under failing to define your brand that I found very interesting, where you said you had a woman come in for an interview, asked her, tell me about what you're best known for. And she spent 35 minutes not just kind of skirting around the real question you asked. Oh yeah, she wasn't able to be to define her brand to me. And when it, and you know, it, it was an interesting story because it was actually a woman who's a consultant and in my firm, we look for consultants who have areas of expertise. And she should have been able to rattle that off the tip of her tongue, you know, given where she was in her career. I mean, she, this was not a young woman. This is a woman who was probably in her 50s. And uh, she should have been able to just rattle that right off. Well, I don't care if you're 50 or I don't care if you're 25. If somebody says, what do you do? What are you known for? What are your strengths? You have to have that prepared in advance so that when someone asks you, it rolls right off the tip of your tongue. I tell women you should write it down. You should practice it. And when you're asked, you put it out there clearly. I think too many women are afraid it sounds like bragging. But, you know, in fact, you got to do a little bit of that for people to see you've got some self-esteem. Tune in next week for part two. You've been listening to a Jadcast. We hope this podcast helps you on your journey to achievement of your destiny. Remember to visit us at www.jadcommunications.com.